speak out. God, um, I thank you for your Holy Spirit that lives in Ben um, and how so many of us have experienced it. God, we thank you that um, he has been proven and, and shown to be a man that, that listens to you, God, um, that knows you, that when he speaks, God, I'm excited to hear what he has to say tonight, God, because I know that it comes from you. Um, and it's going to be a word that, that produces change in our hearts, God, that encourages, that builds up, um, and is also timely. God is also perfect in 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 its nature, God, because of your Holy Spirit um, speaking through him. So, Holy Spirit, uh, fill him up right now and uh, let him rest in you. God, let him also pour, uh, pour out the words that you put in his heart. Let him speak in faith, God, that you are going to move mountains tonight in our midst. Thank you, God. Amen. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Thank you. Well, um, that's good. Those those lights, yeah. If you have your if you have a, um your Bible with you, just go ahead and get that out right now. Yes. Sorry. Yeah, so go ahead and get your Bibles out. Um, we're going to be going through quite a bit of Scripture tonight. Just want to thank Paul and Karen Anderson for giving me the opportunity to be able to minister here in this place tonight. I just honor you guys as the father and the, the mother of the house. Um, just really deeply indebted to my to my wife and my newborn baby son who are not here tonight. Uh, they're home uh, because they had to be. Otherwise, they would be here with us. But I'm going to go ahead and call my wife right now. And uh, and so we're going to get a chance to say hi to her, okay? Before we start the message. So that'll be good. I hope she picks up. How you doing, honey? Good, how are you? I'm doing good. Guess what? What? I'm, I'm about ready to, to preach. So I'm standing in front of about a 120, 130 young adults right now. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Did you hear that, honey? Oh, you had me on the Yeah. yeah. <laughs> yes. Yeah. So all kinds of friends here, honey. Yeah. So guess what, honey? I, I love you more than ministry. Yeah, I'm going to start preaching now, honey, so um, I'll I'll just hang out for now, but um, I'll see you tonight, okay? I'll let you know how things go. Okay. You'll be praying for us, okay? I will. Love you. Love you, too. Bye. Bye-bye. <laughs> I love my wife. Okay, so tonight, tonight I'll, I want to preach a message to you that the Lord has given to me. And uh, this message was a message that came to me actually in the middle of somebody else's message. He was pre- preaching right from up here. It was your brother, Dan Thorson. He stood up to share the word. Do you remember that night when Dan Thorson preached? How many of you were here for that? That was, that was a real blessed night. And um, so Dan was getting ready to start.
to preach. And as he stood up, it just felt like somebody just turned down the volume. And then all of a sudden, I, this message dropped into my spirit. It all came to me in about a minute and 30 seconds, about less than two minutes, I'm trying to say. And um, it all, all happened so quickly. And I believed shortly thereafter there was a message that was for communitas. And um, so I felt like it was supposed to be a part of what we've been looking at lately on the Holy Spirit. How many of you are blessed by the messages that are happening right now on that topic? I'm so thankful for this, this emphasis right now. This is such an issue of urgent need right now because of where we are right now as a nation. If you're watching the news and you're watching what's going on in the world, you have to understand this is a really urgent time. If you talk to people that are Paul's age, they'll all tell you that they've never seen times like this before. And this nation has never come to the place where we are right now. So we're living in a very, very dangerous time. It's, there's a lot that's at stake here. And there's also much that God has planned for each one of you right now. You know that God has a plan for your life. He has a purpose. He never, as John Melende says, just borrow somebody else's words. He never creates a person and then says, now what am I going to do with this one? He never does that. He always knows exactly what he's going to do with your life. He's got a plan. And if statistics are right, about 4% of you right now in this country are professing Christians. 4%. That The number has been, been on a steady decline. It's, uh, it's reached what we call right now the tipping point. A journalist from Chicago named Malcolm Gladwell wrote this book about this topic, the tipping point. Is that there comes a time and a trend when it's moving in a certain direction that it just suddenly goes from a slow descent or a slow ascent to suddenly being rapid. Okay? And you see this amongst epidemics. You see this amongst social trends. It tends to be true. And right now we've reached a tipping point in America. And so when Paul's generation is gone, that means that if 4% of the people in the United States are still professing Christians and seeking hard after God, that would mean that America could potentially be lost to God and the things of the kingdom in a single generation. That's that, that puts us in a really, really Im- important place in history. I'm not saying that to scare you. Fear is not the tactic here. I want to alert your mind to what's going on because God is a call on your life. And I believe that in this time, God is going to begin to drop some powerful callings and mantles upon the lives of young people right now because of what's happening. He's he's releasing extraordinary calls. I just want to prophesy this. He's releasing extraordinary calls to many, many people in this room. He's releasing callings and you're going to go forth and you're going to impact the nation. God's got a great plan for you. He's got a great plan for your small group. He wants to do incredible things to touch these, these cities and the nation. And so he wants to speak a message to your heart about this. So tonight we're going to be talking about this. We're going to be talking about receiving our inheritance in the Holy Spirit. So I want to pray before we begin to, to launch into this. Heavenly Father, we know, Lord, that we're in a time that's very, very urgent, Lord. I pray, Father God, that you would help us to continually resist the tide of panic that's in the hearts of many believers right now. But, Lord Jesus, that you would fill us with sobriety, which resists panic and gives us the ability to be able to have a, a, a strong word, a word that testifies, a witness in this time, Lord Jesus. Do it in each one of our lives tonight, Heavenly Father. All God's people said, Amen. Amen. So I, I want to say right from the beginning, the overall point of the message that, that I'm going to be releasing tonight is that God would give to us His ability to enter into our calling through the power of the Holy Spirit. We've been talking about this for several weeks, 
And I just feel like God is building something and, and God is going to do something significant as we continue to move forward. And so the first thing that we need to understand here is, is that God is a calling for your life. Everybody say, God is a calling for me. Now point to the person next to you and tell them that too. God is a calling for you. Now, hallelujah. Amen. I receive that. Now in Hebrews chapter 3, the first verse, listen up. In Hebrews chapter 3, the first verse, we read these words. Moreover, brethren, you who share in a heavenly calling. See, you have a heavenly calling. It's a calling that came to you from heaven, from the Lord. And he wants you to receive that calling. And that calling has three main parts to it. And uh, I'm going to let you know what they are right up front. And then we're going to explain those three parts. The first is the works of our calling. The second is the plan of our calling. And the third is the length of our calling. All three of those figure into the anatomy of your calling. And you have to understand them, how they work. So first, let's start with the works of our calling. In, in Ephesians chapter 2, verse 10, we read that we are God's workmanship created for good works. We're created for good works. So understand this. There are certain activities which God has set apart for you to do. They relate to the way that you were created, right? So you're created by God intentionally with certain gifts that you've been endowed with by the Lord. Okay? And so you've been created for a purpose so that you would bring forth certain works, certain activities that only you can do in the way that you were called to do them. The second thing that we have here is the plan of our calling. You see, it's not enough for God that he just simply gives us a to-do list. Amen? He doesn't give us some kind of divine to-do list, a set of activities, but he also gives to us a plan for how to execute those activities. That's good news, right? So we're not relying upon our human wisdom, but we understand the one who has the plan is going to impart that to us so that we can know how to carry out those good works. Amen? And the third thing that we need to understand is, is that God knows exactly how long each one of those works should take us. He knows how many days we have on this earth before we're born. Psalm 139, verse 16, we read these words. All the days ordained for me were written in your book before one of them came to be. So God knows the works you're supposed to do. He's got the plan for how to execute those works, and he knows how long they're going to last on this earth. That's a lot of detail. That's why it says in the book of Ephesians, chapter 5, that we're to know, to, to strive to know the will of God. Seek to know the will of God. It's, it's a command from Scripture. We really have to know this. We've got to know what we're called to do. We've got to know what we're set apart by God. And so another way we can describe this threefold gifting of God is to simply call it our inheritance. Everybody say inheritance. And this is something that comes, it's, it has its roots in the Old Testament, and you see it in the New Testament too. We know that when the people of Israel, they crossed over the Jordan River into the Promised Land, that they were going to inherit the land. Amen? They were going to take possession of that land. That was to be their inheritance. The boundary lines have fallen for us in pleasant places, it says in the book of Psalms. So we've got this inheritance that's from God, powerful thing. And we also know that it's not just simply a physical land where we're to dwell. We know that from Joshua chapter 14, verse 1, that there was a certain apportioning of the various aspects of the land where all the different tribes were to live. But it's not just simply where you're supposed to dwell. It also has to do with the spiritual things that God has planned for you to, to have to inherit. 
And the thing that we need to understand as Christians is that our inheritance primarily is the Lord himself. Right? Ezekiel chapter 44 verse 28 says that the Lord is our inheritance. Hallelujah. Psalm 16 verse 5, it tells us that the Lord is my portion, the portion of my inheritance forever. So the Lord himself is our inheritance. And when we consider that, when we consider that all the blessings that God has given us and the calling that he's caused to rest upon our lives. You remember what it says in Ephesians chapter 1 verse 3? It says that we have received every spiritual blessing in the heavenly places in Christ Jesus. So when we think about all the blessings that we have that God has given to us and the calling that is given to us, what we need to understand is, is that, that what that primarily means is that the Holy Spirit is our inheritance. And everything that's in the Holy Spirit is our inheritance. That includes our gifts. That includes the fruit that God would cause to be produced in our lives. It all comes to us. All the blessings, all of that is collectively our inheritance. Everybody say it again. I have an inheritance. Sometimes you got to say these things to yourself every morning so that you really believe them because it's hard to maintain the faith. You know what I'm talking about. you got to fight the good fight of the faith. Now, with that said, this is the issue. I don't know what it is about my life. I don't know if you've noticed this is about to be true about your own life, but I tend to leak. I tend to, to, to forget what God has created me to do, and it happens so quickly. It can take a matter of hours. Just simply two hours go by. I'm, I'm not focused on the right things. I don't have my heart set on heaven. And then I start to lose the fire in my life. It starts to go out. I don't want that to happen to you. You shouldn't want it to happen to me. We've got to continue to, to press in for those things because we've got to lay claim to the inheritance that God has given to us. There's not just simply an inheritance that has been given to us by grace, but we've got to receive it by faith. It takes an act of faith to receive by grace what has been given to us. We've got to, we've got to step into it. And, and so certainly we know that the grace of God that's given to us, it's simply inevitable that we'll come to inherit those promises, right? Because what does Jesus say in Matthew 5, 5? The meek shall inherit the earth. So we're going to inherit it eventually. But nonetheless, Jesus also says in Matthew 11, verse 12, he says that the kingdom suffers violence and the violent take it by force. So we're supposed to step in and lay hold of these things. Now, it doesn't mean that you're stealing from God when it says take it by force. It just simply means that you're vigorously lay, laying hold of it in a spirit of faith and tenaciousness. Think of Jacob by the Jabbok wrestling with God. He was wrestling with the angel of the Lord. And the angel of the Lord, when he saw that the day was breaking, he said to Jacob, he said, let me go. I said, no, not until you bless me first. And then he touched him on his thigh and he crippled him for life and he gave him a new name. Right? That's what we got to be like. We've got to press into the Lord. I'm not saying that you're going to end up a cripple, but I'm just saying that you've got to press into the Lord. Maybe you will. Sometimes the Lord humbles us. Paul had a thorn in the flesh. We still don't know what that is. Maybe we don't want to listen to the Holy Spirit to hear what he's got to say about that. Maybe that's why we can't come to a consensus. But here's the thing that we have to understand is, is that we, as we lay claim to that inheritance, this is, this is a source of tremendous joy for our lives. Psalm 16, verse 11, it says, In the presence of the Lord there is fullness of joy. At God's right hand there are pleasures forevermore. And so we know that, that we're going to inherit those things. We know that it's going to be a source of great joy for us. But what we've got to continually keep before us is that it's given by grace, but it's received by faith. So you've got to take hold of it. And 
when we understand this to be true, it begins to make sense why it is that there's a lot of unclaimed inheritance in the kingdom of God today. There's a lot of people that never lay claim to the inheritance that God has given to them. They just never lay hold of it. What is Paul continually saying to us? A lot of people die with the music still inside them. They never lay claim to their inheritance. And I want you to understand this. I want you to hear this in a spirit of sobriety. Because when you don't lay claim to your inheritance, God passes it to somebody else. Turn your Bibles with me to the Gospel of Matthew, chapter 25. Matthew chapter 25. I want you to look at this. This is a very familiar story to many of you. It's the story of the parable of the talents, correct? In Matthew chapter 25, when we begin with verse 14, I believe, for the kingdom of heaven is a man traveling into a far country, called his own servants and delivered unto them his goods. And unto one he gave five talents, to another two, and to another one, and to every man according to his several ability. And straightway took his journey. And then after he had taken his journey, he came back to see what his investment in the lives of his servants had produced. He wanted to know. And you remember that there was a there was one man who just simply took the talent and buried it, didn't he? Right? Look what happens to him in verse 28. The master says to that man, Take therefore the talent from heaven, give it unto him which hath the ten talents. So when you don't lay claim to your inheritance, we don't step into the calling that God asks for you. That inheritance doesn't just simply vanish into into thin air. Nothing that God ever speaks is anything ever short of eternal. You've got to understand that. It's always eternal. It constantly lasts forever. And so when he speaks to calling and he apportions an inheritance, that inheritance is going to go somewhere. It can't just, poof, disappear. It's got to go somewhere. And so what God does, you have to understand this about God, and I hope you can hear this without being offended is that he takes it and he gives it to somebody else. When you don't lay claim to your inheritance, God takes it from you and he gives it to somebody else. Catherine Kuhlman was a healing evangelist. And uh, she, would, she said for years, I don't know if you, some of you remember her saying this, she, she knew by the Holy Spirit that God had given the ministry that he'd given to her, he had offered it to three other men before her, and they'd all turned it down. And the Lord said, I tried to give this to three other people. And so I'm going to give it to you. Then she lost it for a season. So she, 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 she did something she shouldn't have. She, she married the wrong person. This, this is a sobering thing. Hard to preach this as a doctrine, so I won't do that. But she lost the anointing. And she spent every day for the rest of her life praying, God, take not your Holy Spirit from me. God gave her the ministry back, and she went on. She's t- she touched about a million people before she died. Had one of the purest expressions of the ministry of the Holy Spirit. God takes the inheritance from the person who doesn't lay claim to it, and he gives it to somebody else. Now, the sad thing is, is all that was required was faith. Right? The testimony of Smith Wigglesworth he said when he first realized what the offer of the gospel was, and he, he said he understood this, that God wanted so many people to come into the kingdom of heaven that he lowered the bar to make it so easy. He said all you have to do is just believe. 
And it's yours. That's how low God has set the bar. It's really easy. And unfortunately, it is often the case, too, that many people don't lay claim to it. Some of the easiest things turn out to be the hardest things. Do you notice that? Now, the clearest case that we have in the scriptures of a person losing their inheritance, it comes to us in the story of the children of Israel that were taken out of Egypt. You remember the story, correct? I want you to turn in your Bibles to Hebrews, the book of Hebrews. Hebrews chapter 3. I want you to look at this beginning with verse 17. Say amen if you're there. All right. The sacred writer says, But with whom was he grieved for 40 years? Was it not with them that had sinned, whose carcasses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they should not enter his rest? But to them they believed not. So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. This is the very same people that saw the miracles of God. It's, Moses said that God laid siege and he actually judged the gods of the Egyptians in each one of those ten plagues. If you trace each one of those ten plagues back to a certain Egyptian deity, you will find that each one of those deities was attacked and proved to be a phony in comparison to Yahweh. So they saw the miracles of God. And some people, they look at this passage. I'll tell you what some people in the church say. They say, oh, you know what? They never had faith to begin with. That's why they never received the, their, their inheritance. I don't buy that for a second. They had real faith, beloved. They had actual, real, genuine, saving faith. It says in Exodus chapter 6, verse 6, that God redeemed those people out of Egypt with a mighty hand and with great judgments. And then while they were on the shore of the Red Sea, it says that while they were standing there and the Egyptian army was bearing down on them, what does it say? God comes and speaks through Moses to the people of Israel and he says to them, I'm going to work a great salvation here for you. So they had redemption and they had salvation. That's people who are saved. And do you remember what Moses said to them in the 10th plague? What he said to them? He came and he said to them, listen, the 10th plague is going to come. It's going to, it's going to come through all the land. The angel of death is going to enter into every single household. All the firstborn are going to die without exception. I imagine that might have scared some people. But Moses said, here's the solution. If you want your house to be passed over, here's what you got to do. you got to slay a lamb. you got to put the blood on the doorpost of your household and the angel of death is going to pass over you. That's interesting. So that means the blood wasn't given to satisfy you. It was given to satisfy God. Because it was put outside the house. Isn't that right? Where the people couldn't see it. It was for the angel. But the thing about this is, which we have to understand here, we've got to understand here about this, beloved, is that that took a lot of faith. See, when Moses was arguing with Pharaoh, what does it say that he did? He says, he says we've got to go into the wilderness, we've got to sacrifice to the Lord our God. And Pharaoh said to him, well, why don't you just sacrifice here? Moses said, shall we sacrifice the abomination of the Egyptians? Won't they stone us? You see, for them to have practiced blood sacrifice would have incurred the death penalty. So that, that took a step of faith. They had to fear God more than they feared the Egyptians. That's faith, beloved. And not only that, but when the angel of death came through, if it was not faith in the first place, well, then why did the angel pass them over? Were the firstborn saved by works? No. They, they really sincerely believed. They just came to a, I want you to hear this part. They came to a moment in their life when they said no to God. God said, go do this. And they said, no. And they lost their inheritance. 
I got to back up a second. I, I think our, the Holy Spirit's telling me this, that, that that last point I preached about the blood outside the doorpost, that, I think that was from Watchman Nee. I don't think that was something that God gave me directly. So I want to make sure I give honor to whom honor is due. And so we understand when we look at that picture of the children of Israel, look what it says in Hebrews chapter 4, verse 1. This is the very next verse right after what we just looked at. It says, let us therefore fear. Everybody say fear. Lest a promise being left us of entering into his rest become not fulfilled. The writer says, any of you should seem to have come short of it. Everybody say come short. So we're supposed to fear lest we should not exert faith and enter in to the reality of our inheritance. Now, when did the children of Israel lose it? Where did they say no? I'll tell you where it was. Numbers chapter 14. Could you please turn there with me? It was right at the border of Canaan. Do you remember this? They were standing at the border of Canaan and there was, there was an important decision that needed to be made. They needed to go in and enter the land to possess it. But they, they chose not to go in. Numbers chapter 14, I want to start with the 30th verse. When the children of Israel, after they had seen and spied out the land, they had a head from every tribe, so 12 men went into the land. When they came back, the report was bad from ten of the people. And only Joshua and Caleb stood with the Lord. And the Lord was very displeased with his people. And what we're going to look at right now is going to help you to understand what is the grounds that I need to grasp? What, is it, what does it take from God's point of view for me to lose my inheritance? Because this is, this is a point that we need to understand. A lot of people fall under condemnation because of this story when it doesn't need to be that way. This can be a source of tremendous hope and a blessing to us when it comes to our living out our inheritance. So this is what God said to them as a result of their lack of faith. He said to them, Numbers chapter 14, verse 30, The Lord said, Doubtless ye shall not come into the land concerning which I swear to make you dwell therein, save Caleb, the son of Jephunneh, and Joshua, the son of Nun. But your little ones, oh, like my little boy Aaron's age, which he said should be a prey, them I will bring in, and they shall know the land which ye have despised. And they lost their inheritance. So here's the point. You can write this down if you're taking notes. It's possible for you to believe God for salvation, receive redemption, yet never lay hold of your God-given inheritance. Redemption, salvation, and your inheritance are three different things. It was for the children of Israel, and it is true today too. And when this takes place, our calling passes to another. So we need to talk about this issue of losing our inheritance. And really what we need to understand here is, is that this presents a confusing picture, right? Because once this happens, once they hear this, the children of Israel become gripped. And they begin to repent and they're crying out to God. Look what it says. And I believe it's uh, verse 39. Let me see if I've got this right. Nope, I'm sorry. Let's start from verse 39. It says, And Moses told these sayings unto the children of Israel, and the people mourned greatly. 
And they rose up early in the morning and got them up into the top of the mountain, saying, Lo, we be here, and will go up unto the place which the Lord hath promised, for we have sinned. And listen to this. This is so curious. Verse 41. And Moses said, Wherefore now do ye transgress the commandment of the Lord? But it shall not prosper. Go not up, for the Lord is not among you. Get out into the wilderness. You want to know why that story is so offensive to so many people? Because they said they were sorry. And the Lord said, no. Is God a condemning God? No, he's not. He's also perfect in his judgment. He is a discerner of the thoughts and the intentions of the heart. He divides between bone and marrow, soul and spirit. So he knows what's in our inmost being. So what's going on here? Why did he say no? Whenever I ask God forgiveness for forgiveness, he usually says yes. I don't have too many times where I can remember getting hit with accusation to the point where I felt like I couldn't get forgiveness. There was a time in my life where I struggled with that for a season. But in 12 years of being saved, I've never struggled with that. Has anybody here ever struggled with that before? This story here, I want you to understand what's going on. The people were not sincerely repenting. They weren't. And so as a result of that, God wouldn't give them their inheritance. You say, how do you know whether or not the people were sincerely repenting? I'll tell you, I'll tell you why. Look at what Moses says again in verse 41. Could you just look there again? It says, Moses says, wherefore now do ye transgress the commandment of the Lord? What had the Lord commanded them to do? Wilderness, desert. So if they were truly repenting to the Lord, what does it mean to repent? It means to turn back to God and to seek to wholeheartedly fulfill his commandments. Correct? So if they were sincerely repenting to God, that means that they would have done the very last thing that he commanded them, which was to go into the wilderness. Why? Because the promiser has got to mean more to you than the promised land. If God doesn't mean more to you than than your inheritance does, then there's something wrong with your walk. And that was the case for these people right here. They wanted the land more than they wanted God. And God was testing them. Desert. Get up into the wilderness and go. Now, if you need further proof as to why this is true, I want you to turn with me in your Bibles to the book of Judges. Look what it says in Judges chapter 10. We're going to look at the son of a very, very famous personage in the Bible. He's listed in Hebrews chapter 11, the the Faith Hall of Fame. God bless you, sister. Bye-bye. Very famous person named Gideon. Everybody remembers Gideon, right? Hallelujah. Hebrews chapter 11, it says that he turned back the sword of the enemy, routed enemy armies. Wouldn't you like to be Gideon? Gideon had 70 sons. One of them, that's a lot of sons. No, he seriously did. There was one of his sons named Abimelech. Abimelech wanted control over Israel at that time. So what he did was he killed the rest of Gideon's sons. He killed all, listen, okay, listen. He killed all of Gideon's sons on one stone, save for one of them. There was one son of Gideon that was managed to escape what Abimelech did. He killed them all. 
And there was a curse that was pronounced against Abimelech. And Abimelech went on to become judge in Israel for a period of time. But he wasn't a very good judge. Hard, hard to understand? No. <laughs> but then Abimelech died. And when Abimelech died, it says that the people turned to Baal worship. They turned to Baal worship. They went after foreign gods. And so as a result of that, God sent the Philistines and the Ammonites to come and plunder the people. Are you following the story? And they came and they plundered the people. And I want you to see this very clearly in your scriptures here. Judges chapter 10, verse 6. Look at this. And the children of Israel did evil again in the sight of the Lord and served Balaam and Ashtoreth and the gods of Syria and the gods of Zidon and the gods of Moab and the gods of the children of Ammon and the gods of the Philistines and forsook the Lord and served him not. And how do you think the Lord felt? Verse 7. And the anger of the Lord was hot against Israel and he sold them into the hands of the Philistines and into the hands of the children of Ammon. Then look in verse 10. Look what the children of Israel did when, when they began to become plundered. And the children of Israel cried unto the Lord, saying, We have sinned against thee, both because we have forsaken our God and also served Balaam. And so they come and they repent. But then look what God says in verse 13. He says, Ye have forsaken me and served other gods, wherefore I will deliver you no more. Verse 15. Look at the children of Israel's response and contrast it with what happened at the border of Canaan. Look at this. The children of Israel said unto the Lord, We have sinned. What is that? Confession. We have sinned. Do thou unto us whatever seemeth good unto you. In other words, we'll take whatever discipline you send to us, God. We know we deserve it. That's submission. Oh, submission's big in the kingdom. Maybe you don't like submission. I think some days I don't like submission. It's good for you, though. Then look at the third request. Deliver us only, we pray thee this day. In other words, you don't have to give us everything that we want, everything that we ask you. Just save our lives. Just preserve our lives, O oh God. So they confessed that what they did was wrong. They laid a supplication before the Lord. And then look at this, verse 16. And they put away the strange God from among them and served the Lord. And look at the, at the Lord's reaction. Look at this. And his soul was grieved for the misery of Israel. He did hear what he didn't do at the border of Canaan. And he intervened and began to rescue the children of Israel. Why? Because their repentance was sincere. They weren't saying, oh, you know, we missed our inheritance. Oh, let's go take the land. They didn't do that. Not this time. This time they humbled themselves. And because their repentance was sincere, the Lord came and said, sure. This is something that's got to get straightened out in our hearts. God has to mean more to us than our inheritance does. Some of us become, I, I struggle with addiction to ministry sometimes. That's why I called my wife. I was just joking around with her like that. That's a serious issue for me. It's a dangerous thing for someone like me to have an addiction to something like that when I'm called to minister. I've got to make sure that my motives are right all the time. I can't let up on that because ministry is like crack to me. I, I'm serious. It's really, it can be, it can produce unhealthy things in me. Pride. Self-reliance. Exactly the opposite of what will help you to step into taking your inheritance. Everybody all together still tonight? So here's a summary as we launch into our last part. If our inheritance becomes an idol, it is possible for us to lose it. 
The reason is that if we hold on to an idol while trying to repent, it is impossible for our repentance to be sincere. Impossible. It can't be. If we hold on to an idol while trying to repent, it is impossible for our repentance to be sincere. Therefore, God will take us into a time of testing to try our hearts so that he can get us to truly repent and turn to him. You see? That repentance is a gift. I want you to understand something. The devil never tells you to repent. He may tell you your sins. He may show you all the bad things that you did, but he'll never tell you to repent. Why? Because repentance restores broken relationship with God. That's the last thing he wants happening. He doesn't want your relationship to God being restored. So he never says to you, look at all the sins you committed. Now go repent to God. No, I mean, he's, he's not crazy. So when God calls us to repent, when we got a voice inside of our heart telling us repent, we should probably do it. It's probably God. It's certainly not your flesh. <laughs> Amen. So, so now let's talk. Let's talk about the last part of this message about taking our inheritance. Everybody say this is all about taking our inheritance. We need to take possession of our of the things that God has called us to take possession of. There's the calling. There's the works he's set apart for us to do. There's the plan for how to execute those works, right? There is the length of time that all those works should take, the lifespan that God has apportioned unto us. God wants us to go and take that inheritance. If we don't take it by faith, it's available by grace, but if we don't take it by faith, we're not going to get our inheritance. And if we don't get our inheritance, it goes to somebody else. So we need to understand that there's grounds for losing the inheritance. I just explained to you what that is. Now we're going to talk about taking your inheritance. And here's the first thing that we've got to understand. The only way to take your inheritance is to take it in the power of the Spirit. Zechariah chapter 4, verse 6, we read these words. Not by might, nor by power. Say it with me. But by my Spirit, says the Lord of hosts. We take hold of our inheritance by walking in the Spirit. Listen, the things that God has called us to do are impossible. They are impossible. I can't fulfill it in my flesh. Neither can you. They're just too great. They're far too above our heads. There's no way we'd be able to take our inheritance apart from the power of the Holy Spirit. This is why it's, it's, it's so interesting to me that, that so many churches, we don't understand the need that we have for the power of the Holy Spirit to do the things that he's called us to do, to enter into the lifestyle that he's called us to walk in. And see, the children of Israel who were wandering the desert, they didn't get this. They saw the signs and wonders of God, but they never did the signs and wonders of God. And there's a difference. They never did them. The second generation Israelites did. They saw the signs and wonders of God and they did them. And that's the lifestyle that God calls us to walk in as kingdom people. Amen? Doesn't that sound exciting to you? I want to go and I want to see signs and wonders break out as the gospel goes forth. I want to see that. Amen? Hallelujah. It doesn't happen all the time for me, but sometimes it does happen. And when it does happen, I get really excited. It is a very exciting thing. And people's hearts, they have the chance to come into contact with their creator and be reconciled to him. What's better than that? But in order for them to be able to take their inheritance, there was three things they had to get settled straight first. And you want to take note of these. Number one, they had to face their giants. <laughs> you got to face your fears. If you want to take the inheritance that God has apportioned for you, you've got to face your fears. 
Sometimes, I tell you, there's lots of times where the Lord says to me, go talk to that guy. And I don't do it. I had to learn to face my fears. The Lord started telling me, I want you to go out this time to this time every day. I was doing it for a while. It's about two hours going out and doing evangelism. I didn't see a lot of fruit. One day I was very, very frustrated. I said, Lord, I said, I'm not seeing any results. I'm all, you know, you tend to be nervous when you try to talk to people for the, how do I kind of turn the corner? How do I break into the gospel? How do I start a random conversation with somebody and hope it turns to Jesus, right? And the Lord just said this to me one day while I was driving in the car. He said to me, Ben, this is what I want from you. I want you to walk right up to the person and begin prophesying. No, no plans, no, no like list of different questions you're going to ask. Just start prophesying to him right away. Yeah. I, I said, I said, Lord, okay, I'll go to the coffee house. I'll try that. And so I'm driving down the street and all of a sudden I heard the Lord say, pull over here at the pizza place. And so I went over to the pizza place and the Lord said, go inside. I want you to start prophesying to that person in there. So I walked in. There were two women behind the counter. I said, hello. The Lord told me to, to, to drive in here off the road. He told me this was the place. <laughs> and he told me I was to give a word to you. And she just looked at me and she said, what are you talking about? She just, what are you speaking? Klingon or something like that? I mean, she just was like, come on now. And then, and then I looked at the woman that was behind her, her coworker, and I said, your father's in the ministry, isn't he? She said, what? I said, your father's in the ministry. She said, no, my, my, um, my stepdad was, was a pastor. My mother and him are not married now. That's what I said. He's in the ministry. He's a pastor. She said, well, yeah. And she kind of became a little bit surprised. I said to her, and I also see in my spirit that you have two toddler-age children that are in your family, right? That both of them are like toddler-age. They're your little brother and your little sister, right? And she said, yes. She started to kind of like, Think that what's going on here, you know? And I said, well, the Lord is telling me that you're thinking right now about walking out on the Lord. Is that true? You're thinking about giving the world a spin, aren't you? And she said, she said, actually, I have been thinking about that. <laughs> I said, I started giving her my testimony. I said, don't you do that. Don't do it. I said, I did that. I was a son of a Lutheran pastor. I totally fell away from the Lord for a period of about five years squandered myself in wild worldly living like the prodigal son. I'm telling you, there's nothing but ash and death out there in this world. You've got to stay true to the path that God has called you to. Can I pray for you? I prayed for her right there, right? After I was done praying for her, I said, now you remember this. You go home and you journal this day and you remember that you were visited by a messenger today. And I walked out. I was pretty happy. The next day, <laughs> I got into my car, okay? I got into my car like, this is going to be a good day. Oh my goodness, glory, hallelujah. I started driving down the street. And I'm, and I'm telling you, I, I heard a voice in my spirit say, Bennigan's. I said, okay, Lord, you're going to do it just like you did yesterday. I pulled over to the Bennigan's. It was being sold for an auction. There was nobody in there. And I stood there and I was just sitting there thinking to myself, what is this? And then for the rest of the day, no fruit. Nothing. And for the next few weeks, no fruit. God wants you stepping out in faith and he wants to know whether or not you're in this, whether or not you see the fruit. Because you've got to value the Lord more than your inheritance. Amen? Sometimes we got to get over our fears. You know, I'm, I'm talking with a guy these days. I'm just giving him counsel. He's, he said he's been hearing the Lord tell him to quit his job for the past two years. I, keep, I kept telling him for a while, I said, you got to quit your job then. You've got to quit your job. I'm scared. I'm fearful. It's a giant. you got to take a stone and smack it in the forehead so it goes down. 
You're, about a week and a half ago, that's right, it only takes one. It doesn't take five. A week and a half ago, that same guy came to me and said, I, I, I put in my notice. He's going to go into the ministry. God's going to fulfill the call on that man's life. He's going to do it because he conquered his fear. You see what I'm saying? You see how this works? The second thing that you need to understand about the second generation Israelites is that they became willing to die to themselves. If you want to step into the life that God has called you to in your inheritance, you've got to be willing to die to yourself. And this is what it means. Do you remember when in, in uh, Joshua chapter 3, verses 10 and following, right? Joshua, under the inspiration of the Holy Spirit, he stood up in front of the whole congregation of the Israelites, and this is what he said. He said, here's how you shall know, O Israel, that the living God, everybody say living God, living God. is among you. And will, quote, without fail, drive out from before you all the peoples of the land, the Canaanites, the Hivites, the Hittites, the Girgashites, the Amorites, and the Perizzites, and the Jebusites. And the other rites. <laughs> and then he said, The ark of the covenant of the Lord of all the earth is passing over into the waters of the Jordan, and the waters of the Jordan are going to be cut off from flowing. Wow. little fear there. But here's what you need to understand as they pass through the Jordan. The word Jordan in the original Hebrew means descent. Descender. And the Jordan River emptied out into the Dead Sea. So the Jordan was a descent into death. Amen? Now look what it says in 1 Corinthians chapter 10. What does that mean? A descent into death. Hallelujah. So good, Lord. Verse 1. Just say amen if you're there. Okay. It says, Moreover, brethren, I would want, I would not that you should be ignorant how that all our fathers were under the cloud and all passed through the sea. And all were baptized unto Moses in the cloud and in the sea. Aha! So they were baptized. To be baptized is to relate to, to Christ in his death, right? All who have been baptized into his name have been baptized into his death. It says in Romans 6. So that's what this is. To go into the Jordan River was to die to yourself. Now Jesus said in Matthew sixteen twenty four. Very familiar words for us. Easy to say amen to, hard to do. If anyone would come after me, let him take up his cross, deny himself, and follow after me. And if you look in Paul's epistles, there's exactly five things that every Christian must die to if you want to be successful in carrying your cross. The first is we've got to be willing to die to our flesh. Romans eight thirteen: if you mortify the deeds of the flesh, you'll live. In other words, if you don't, you won't. So you've got to be willing to put to death the flesh. All that God asks for is your willingness. He'll take care of the rest. For it is God who is at work in you both to will and to do according to his good and perfect pleasure. The second death that every Christian's got to embrace is you've got to be willing to die to sin. Romans 6.2 You can't continue to live in sin if you've stated in baptism that you've died to it. You've got to make a choice. The third death that you've got to embrace if you want to follow after Jesus and carry your cross to be a cross-shouldering Christian. You've got to be willing to die to the devil. Colossians 2.20 says, you have died to the elemental spirits of this age, which are demons. So we've got to be willing to die to the devil. So it goes to say, maybe even without saying, that if you want to follow Jesus, you've got to part company with Satan. Right? Can't follow two masters. The fourth death that you've got to be willing to die, that you've got to be willing to embrace, is Galatians 6.14. To the cross of Christ, I have died to the world and the world to me. Amen? So if we want to be able to say that we're following Jesus, we've got to die to the world. Yes. 
That's the word of the Lord. She said that there are serpents in this room and that there are thorns among the berries and that God is pruning right now. I believe that that's true right now. That's happening. I feel the presence of God on this right now. God is pruning some people in this room. Let it happen. Because if you do this, if you get this, you're, I tell you, the Lord has got to raise up world changers. If he doesn't, if he doesn't choose you, who's he going to choose? Who's he got? What's going to happen to this generation? You got to hear the call. And you got to go for it. Don't be afraid. Don't be afraid. Be bold. And the fifth death, Romans 7, 4, you got to be willing to die to the law. When you die to the law, that's it. The other, the other deaths become possible. I don't understand why this is true. But the Bible says that the law stirs up the passions of the flesh. It's a mystery. I think that's what Paul was talking about when he wrote about the mystery of lawlessness in Second Thessalonians chapter 2. He was talking about the fact that when you try to do good, you always do evil. When you try to obey the law, you always break it. Now, of course, that has a context. It's a mystery and you've got to understand it. And you can take it wrong and you can go into a direction of lawlessness. And that's not what God has for us either. But there's something about this that we have to understand. There's a power inherent. It's like, it's like two magnets that come together. The law meets sin. Boom! Your flesh becomes aroused. When your flesh becomes aroused, you can't die to sin. If you can't die to sin, you can't possibly die to the devil. The devil's got control of you if you're sinning. If you can't die to the devil, how can you die to this world? He rules this world. But if you die to the law, it sets off a chain reaction in your spirit. If you become a grace-centered person... Instead of a rule-centered person, the other four deaths become possible. I don't really fully understand that. It's in the Bible. The second generation Israelites, they died to themselves. They went down. They descended into the Jordan. They came out the other side. Here's, here's the last point. Oh, my goodness. It's 930 already. i got to wrap this up very, very quickly. Here's the last point. If you want to begin to experience the power and the anointing of the Holy Spirit, you've got to start moving toward, toward your inheritance now. What are the things that God has called you to do? The things that you're afraid to step out into, you've got to slay those giants, right? You've got to die to yourself, but you've got to actually start taking physical steps towards your inheritance and the things that God has called you to do. You have to be the first mover in some cases. Smith Wigglesworth said this one time. This was very offensive to a lot of people. I don't mean to offend you. But this is what he said. He said, if the Holy Spirit doesn't move me, then I move the Holy Spirit. That sounds arrogant if you don't understand the power of faith. God responds to faith. Hebrews eleven six 6 says, without faith it is impossible to please God. So if you start moving in the direction of your inheritance, the power of the Holy Spirit will come upon you. Boom! Right as you're walking towards it. Tell you something, when the, when the second generation Israelites, when they moved into the land, those giants who their fathers were afraid of, it says in Joshua chapter 23, verse 11, it tells us this, that one man in Israel's army had the ability to supernaturally overpower 1,000 Canaanites. Huh. Did the Israelites have anything to be afraid of? No. The giants had something to be afraid of. Amen? It's, in fact, it says in Judges fifteen fifteen that when the Spirit of the Lord fell upon Samson, he became endued with superhuman might. He put to death 1,000 Philistines with a donkey's jawbone. Imagine like a million Samsons running across the battlefield at you. 
That's an, that's an unusual level of power. But it became, it became theirs as they started moving towards their inheritance. They were active. They weren't passive. And so if you want to begin to see the things that God has called for you to live out come to pass, you've got to start walking in the direction in faith of, the, of, of your promised land. Where is your promised land? What is it? Maybe it's sex world in Minneapolis. God's going to have you take that thing down. I don't know what it could be. Maybe it's just simply something as this. You're called to start a small group in your house and you're going to start inviting your neighbors and you're going to start seeing a, a, a kingdom community begin to develop around your house or in your apartment. It could be something that simple. Whatever it is, you've got to start taking the steps now. And I'll tell you something. I, I, don't, I hope this doesn't, doesn't create confusion. If you've got a word that you're supposed to be like an apostle or a pastor or a teacher or something like that in the body of Christ, don't bury something like that. Go to a leader like Paul or somebody else, somebody, a father in the faith who you can trust and begin to get, to get transparent about the things that God is whispering in your soul. Because I'll tell you something. It's, when, when stuff like that starts coming to you, how do I handle this? What in the world do I do with this one? I mean, this really, really sounds arrogant. It sounds freaky if I go, you know, you, there's some Christians you're afraid to talk to about stuff like that. You can talk to Paul. And there's other people here you can talk to. But start getting transparent and getting accountable with the calling that God has on your life and start taking it seriously and start seeking him. And he'll help you do it. There's three groups. Three groups. And I'm going to hand this over to Paul. Some of you are struggling with fear right now and stepping into your calling. Some of you are struggling with... You're just, you're just very passive. You won't take it on. You won't go there. The Lord is calling you out tonight. Some of you just won't die to yourselves. You got yourself wrapped up in trying to beat your sin yourself or, or you, just, you just don't have a heart to stop sinning. And you're, you're short-circuiting your own calling. Those three groups of people God is calling you out. Maybe you've got a little from each group. God wants to work a transformation in your life tonight. The grace and mercy of God to change your heart and your life. I'm going to quote one more scripture and then we're going to go into some ministry time and I'm going to let Paul take this one. Ezekiel chapter 11. I want you to look at this. Turn your Bibles, Ezekiel, the prophet Ezekiel, chapter 11. Maybe you've blown it big. Maybe you've messed up big time. And you can't imagine that God would ever allow you to take hold of your inheritance. I want you to hear this passage tonight. And I want you to understand the mercies of God toward people who have blown it big. Ezekiel chapter 11. This is the word of the Lord. Moreover, the spirit lifted me up and brought me unto the east gate of the Lord's house, which looketh eastward and behold at the door of the gate, five and 20 men among whom were Jaazaniah the son of Azer and Pelatiah son of Benaiah, princes among the people. And then the Lord said unto me, son of man, these are the men that devise mischief and give wicked counsel in this city. Listen to how bad they screwed up. That say, it is not near. The time is not near for their judgment. 
Let us build houses. This city is the cauldron and we be the flesh. Look up at me. Do you know what these men were doing? The Babylonian army had surrounded Jerusalem. Their time for judgment had come. Jeremiah had been preaching that to them for years. And they had not listened. And they had rebelled against the Lord. And God increased the famine upon them to break their staff of bread so that they would turn their hearts to him and they still wouldn't do it. Do you know what they were doing instead? They were eating each other. The Lord had prophesied that that would happen. He would give them over to a debased mind. Earlier in this book, he said, I will do in thee, Jerusalem, that which I have not done, whereunto I will not do any more the like for all thine abominations. The father shall eat the sons in the midst of thee, and the son shall eat the fathers. They said here, the city is the cauldron, and we be the flesh. We're going to cook our dead. I don't think anybody here has got a track record that's quite that bad. But look at the mercies of God unto these people. Therefore, verse 17, say, thus saith the Lord God, I will even gather you from the people and assemble you out of the countries where he have been scattered and I will give you the land of Israel and they will come thither and they shall take away all the detestable things thereof and all the abominations thereof from thence and I will give them one heart, hallelujah, and I will put a new spirit within you and I will remove from you the stony heart and I will give a heart of flesh unto you that you may walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them and they shall be my people and I will be their God. There's all the mercy and grace that we need tonight to see a change in our lives. Close your eyes. Let God speak to you. Let God take it home. Let God personalize it. Some of you heard the word right at the beginning when Ben prophesied. He spoke a word and it went right to your heart. When he said, some of you have a calling to preach and to prophesy and to go to the nations. And and you heard that. That came right to your heart. And you knew he was speaking to you. If you heard that prophetic word and you know you knew it was to you and you know that that's on your life, I want you to stand up. If you're next to somebody who's standing, you put your hand on them. Because we want to pray for the the power of the Holy Spirit to be stirred up in these people. Don't worry, we're going to come to you next.
Jesus, I thank you for these ones that you're that you're calling, Lord, that you've spoken dreams that just sound crazy, callings that sound over the top, Lord, and they don't know what to do. I pray, Heavenly Father, that they would come into a, a prophetic season of receiving the counsel of the Lord, that they would receive richly from the fathers and the mothers in the faith that you have placed around them to be able to help them to step into their calling and their destiny, that they would lay hold of their inheritance, Father God. I believe, Lord Jesus Christ, that you are removing condemnation from people's hearts and lives. Those lies, those little lies that say you, you're not good enough, you can't do this, you can't can't do that. You're just a leftover. You're a has-been. It's too late. The, 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 the ship has sailed for you. I pray, Lord Jesus, right now that you begin to minister to their hearts and lives. The Bible says there is no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. Lord Jesus, I pray that you would help them and give them vision, give them dreams in the night, Lord Jesus. And the Lord's saying to you tonight, start keeping a journal. Start taking care of the dreams that you're getting. Listen to them and, and, and start interpreting them. As you write down the dreams, the interpretation will come to you suddenly. And you'll have understanding about your calling and what you're supposed to do. I pray, Lord Jesus, that we're those who have failed over and over again. You're removing the past slate and you're setting up a new one. You're saying a new spirit I'm putting within you today. And you're going to walk in my statutes and keep my ordinances and do them. And the Lord is saying to you, he's going to cause you supernaturally to have power to walk after him. Lord, I pray right now, Lord Jesus, that where, that where those have compromised their lives, Lord Jesus, Lord, even sexual brokenness, Lord Jesus, that right now you just begin to sweep over them, Lord Jesus. Give them, give them virginity again, Lord. Give them virginity again, Lord Jesus, in their hearts and in, even in their bodies, Father God. Begin to restore them, O oh God. Restore them, Lord Jesus, and raise them up, Lord Jesus, to be your army in these last days, Father God. To be like David, men and women after your heart. Who sees lands for the kingdom? Thank you, Jesus. Come, Holy Spirit. Come, Holy Spirit. Speaking of dreams, last night I had, I woke up with uh, writing down on my notebook, sing in the spirit, sing in the spirit, and what questions you have will be answered, that the Lord is going to be answering your questions. So, Lord, we sing to you a new song, Kayara Yanamayara. We lift up our voices.
Ben shared that he needed to come to a place where he was willing to step out and do it, regardless of the fruit. You can be seated. really struck me that we are praying for what it means now to multiply. And that was a challenge to us. It was a challenge to you. It's a challenge to me to step out and to walk toward what God has for me. Not knowing specifically, but there's a challenge for some of you to take the next step. There's a next step that some of you are ready to take and you need to take it. And it's walking into what he gives to you. I'm just going to take a time of silence now just to listen. Maybe he's already spoken to some of you. He probably has. It may be to mentor one person. It may be to start something. You may be newer and you need somebody to go with you, so you'll talk to somebody else. It may be to start a small group. You don't know where that's going to lead. That could that could lead one 19-year-old just started something, praying with three people. It grew to 600. He just did it in faith. So if if God is stirring in your heart, you know, if, it, if you don't hear tonight and you hear tomorrow, that'll work too. Doesn't have to be right here. But we're in a listening mode. Tomorrow night, we're gonna, or Thursday night, we're going to be praying. God, show us what it means. He said, you will not move, you will multiply. That means fires around the Twin Cities and maybe beyond. He wants us to, to do things. He may be asking you to be the one to do it in Andover or in Lakeville. We don't care what we call it. But it's multiplication. And it's stepping out and believing that what Jesus did, you get to do. It's beginning to pray with people like Andrew was challenged. He said, pray for 250 people to be healed. So maybe it's time for you to begin or maybe you've started. It's time for you to really get serious and, and pray for people. Pull over on the side of the road if you see somebody limping. Stop somebody at the grocery store. So, if if it's clear enough for you to begin taking a step, you feel God's made it clear enough, yes, I am to do something as a result of what God's spoken, what I've heard tonight. You're to take a step. We want to pray for you to take that step. So stand up if you know that you're to take a next step, whether it's to mentor one or to start a small group, it's to lead a Bible study. Go ahead and stand. This is so exciting because if this number, if this number takes that step and does it, can you imagine? Can you imagine?
Just hold your hands out now. Please, Heavenly Father, please, please, as they step out in faith, as they take that step of faith, would you, would you accompany the word with signs and wonders? Would you, in it, would you speak into their heart? Would you clarify to them what you're calling them to do? Would you enable them? Would you give them faith to believe for the gifts of the Holy Spirit? Would you empower them? Would you surprise them with fruit? Would you give them fruit beyond what they thought? Even if it doesn't happen right away. It took nine months for it to start happening with John Wimber. Then once it broke, it broke. And he, he changed some continents. He shook some continents. And so we're believing for you. And I'm praying for those who are seated, who are going to hear and have clarity tomorrow morning or next week, what God is calling you to do. Because God is calling us to step out and take hold of that inheritance. And if you don't know what it means, that's okay. You can, you'll, you'll know in a week. But for you that know, oh, I pray for obedient hearts. I pray for obedient hearts to take the step to not back down. Not back down. <clears throat> you, so Satan's going to tell you you're a failure because it's not going to work the first time. It's not going to work. At least you don't think it's going to work. It's like a kid learning how to walk. It takes 50 tries and you get two steps. That's okay. That's success. That is not failure. I bless you with success God's way. I bless you with mentoring and joy and mentoring someone. I bless you with starting a Bible study group. I bless you with going to a campus or a people group, making a difference on your block or in your home. I bless you with doing what God calls you to do and seeing fruit His way. Bless you with an increase of the Holy Spirit. I bless you, Holy Spirit. Come and empower them, Lord. Come and empower them. Pour your Spirit upon them, O Lord. Let it just let it come in you. Let it pour over you. Let us just Spirit pour over you. Refresh you. Awaken dreams. God, I pray in these days that you will be awakening dreams in the hearts of people. I pray that you would give vision for people. Awaken what you have put in their heart. And I ask you all to stand now. Raise your hand. If when he said we need to deal with our giants, raise your hand if when he said that you knew what it was, the giant that you had to deal with. Raise your hand if you knew what that was. Okay. We want to pray that God will give you courage to face and not to be intimidated by the giants in your life, but that you'll break through. Heavenly Father, I pray, Lord Jesus, you take off the spirit of fear. Lord, you say in your word that you've not given us a spirit of fear, 
but a spirit of love and of power and a sound mind. Thank you, Lord Jesus, for increasing boldness in the hearts and the lives of your people that you would give to us, O Lord Jesus, a heart that just cries out your name, Lord Jesus. Lord, cause our hearts to be so connected in you in love, Lord Jesus, that we'll go out and we'll do anything, Father, at the slightest word, Father. Give to us courage and faith in the name of Jesus. Remove the spirit of fear and replace it with the goodness of the spirit of the fear of the Lord. For your son, Jesus, God, delighted in the fear of the Lord. Thank you, Lord Jesus. Give it to these dear ones right now in the name of Jesus Christ. Every last one of them. That the spirit of the fear of the Lord would displace the fear of man. That they would take hold of their inheritance in faith. They would not be afraid of giants any longer. They would remember that the giants must bow to you because every knee is going to bow. Every tongue is going to confess that Jesus Christ is Lord. The removal of the fear of man in the name of Jesus Christ. Thank you, Jesus. I just want to say this. If you need deliverance from that tonight, if that's been controlling your life and your thoughts and, and causing you to not be able to step out, that you take time after this meeting to, to get prayer, to get deliverance prayer, because God delivers. The Lord taught us to pray, deliver us from evil. So no fear of man is going to hold on to anybody's life. So I just got a word from the Lord and it actually came out of something that happened with my wife and I the other night. And so I just want to share it if I can encourage anyone here. The other night, my wife and I were talking and uh, she had trouble sharing her emotions of how she was feeling. And she had told me the reason for that, like, I don't know, a few months back and I had temporarily forgotten it. So I had asked her to repeat it. And uh, she basically told me the reason that she has trouble sharing her emotions is because of something really mean that her mother had said to her when she was younger. And I basically looked her straight in the eyes and I said, your mom is wrong. That's a lie. Don't believe that. And we prayed uh, about that. And over the next, this was a few days ago. And over the next few days, she has really uh, grown in being more open and sharing her emotions. So here's the word that I have for the general group that I've also been experiencing. If you have had a parent or parents um, when you were younger share something with you that was a lie, like something, I don't know what it could be, whether it's your failure, shame, whatever it is. You don't need to believe that lie. And don't let that lie bring you down. I don't know who that's for, if that's for one person, if that's for multiple people, but I know for in my own life, I have uh, had things my parents have said to me when I was younger control me for a really long time. And God has bring me out of that, and he wants to bring each and every one of us out of that because to some degree or another, all of us have experienced lies from many people, but in particular, the word I got tonight was from our parents. So if that's for anyone, that's... Would God share with me? So, okay, raise your hand if that's if that's you. Raise your hand if you if you need some help on this one. Yeah, absolutely. Heavenly Father, we just thank you for this opportunity to have fellowship uh, and worship you, Lord, and just the gifts that you've given people um, in this community, Lord. And just pray now uh, for those who've experienced. Uh, 
just bondage from the things that uh, their parents have shared uh, with them that were just not true, Lord. And we just renounce those lies over these people. And I just uh, ask you that you will pour out your truth and your love and your grace and your mercy over these people, uh, Lord. And that you will remind them of the truth, that they're more than conquerors, that there's no condemnation, there's no shame. And I just pray that uh, for those people, if they need continued help, prayer, counseling, that you will put the people in their lives uh, from this community and beyond that will help them grow closer to you. And I just pray this in Jesus' name, by the power of the Holy Spirit. Amen. Bring your comfort now, Father. Bring your comfort. Spirit of comfort. Tender spirit. Comfort. Comfort my people, says the Lord. How kind the Lord is. How gentle. Just let all of us down. Let it let let the gentleness of the Lord just encourage you let his heart for you encourage you remember no condemnation just let it come in he's a tender God he's a good God I want to thank Ben for listening and for preaching we bless you Ben thank you and Father, now, would you, would you take what we receive? And I pray over the next days and the weeks, you'd bring it home. Be open now, because if it didn't happen tonight, that's okay. It may be for you in a week. It may be for two weeks. It may be a month. And then it'll trigger, and, and, and something will come to you. The Lord wants me to do this. And you can respond as if it's today. He's got his timing. He knows what he's doing in your life. And he's good. You didn't miss it. You didn't miss something if you didn't stand tonight. It's good if you needed to sit to sit. And so we bless you with hearing the Lord, being open to him. Opening to obey him when you're not sure what it is. I've done it like you have. The Lord said, I want you to go down and you're going to talk to this people at this house. Well, that was fine, but there wasn't any house there. And I thought, what a failure. And, and God was saying, what a success. He's saying, way to go. You, you thought it was me and you did what you thought. What a, what a wonderful thing. So we reinterpret any areas of failure in your life that God was saying, that wasn't a failure. Way to go. Way to go for it. We want to be going for it in these days in a new and a fresh way. We're just going to go for it. And you don't have to even worry about the effect of what you do. You're not in charge of the consequences. You are in charge of saying yes to God and obeying. So we bless you. You'll walk in the holy will. Lord your God. You'll do what he says and what you think he says. And probably most of the time you'll be right. And when you're wrong, he'll say, hey, I know your heart. I know your intention. I know your desire. 
The Lord bless you and keep you. The Lord make his face to shine upon you and be gracious unto you. The Lord look upon you with his favor. Oh my. And grant you his peace. In the name of the Father, of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit. Now, this becomes a prayer meeting. Invite the prayer ministers to be up front. You know, some of you, it would be good for you to bring it home with someone to pray with you tonight, to pray to pray with you. Either you come up this way, or you turn to someone next to you. So turn right now, find somebody close to you, and say, would you pray for me about this? You say, would you pray for me about this? Just turn to somebody next to you. There will also be people up here that will be available to pray. And then uh, after you've prayed, if you're a newbie, you're going to go up to the first room. And if you want to talk, pray regarding the Holy Spirit. That's the next room a little farther down. Okay, turn. Turn.